Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest had a nine-year NFL career and three Super Bowl championships with the Dallas Cowboys, 45 successful combat missions flying A-10 jets with the Air Force, and he was one of the most decorated football players in NCAA history. But when his son was just two years old and became extremely ill with what was eventually diagnosed as an autoimmune illness, his world was turned upside down. Today on Connections, we're joined by Chad Hennings. He'll share how that experience changed his perspective about what's important in life and how it helped his faith to grow. He'll also talk a bit about his ministry, Wingmen. We're going to hear that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Chad Hennings. He had a nine-year NFL career and three Super Bowl championships with the Dallas Cowboys. Today, he started up a ministry called Wingmen. So not only are you the uh, founder of uh, Wingman Ministries, the creator of that. You have uh, an extensive career, not only with the NFL, but you also started off um, in the military. Tell us a little bit about how life started back then and how you got into the military. You bet. I grew up on a, a farm, a family farm in, in Iowa, and I attended the United States Air Force Academy. Uh, I obtained a football scholarship to play football during my four years there. I had success on the gridiron, which then I was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys uh, prior to graduating from the Air Force Academy. But when you attend the Air Force Academy, you have a military commitment of a minimum of five years. But I chose to up that to eight years because I wanted to fly jets. (laughs) Technically, playing in the NFL was never going to be an option for me because I would have if I, once I fulfilled my commitment, it would have been a, I would have been a 31 year old rookie in the NFL. <laughs> you don't see too many of those, but I received the assignment to fly the A-10, the Warthog. I flew in the first Gulf War in 91, 92. Our armed forces went through a reduction in force at that time where they waived commitment, not just for me, but across the board. And which then allowed me to go play for the Dallas Cowboys. And I played nine years for them. So that That's- was kind of the circuitous route as to how I got there. That's pretty cool. So you got to fly jets and play for the Cowboys. Exactly. You know, my claim to fame, Mike, was I flew my last mission in northern Iraq in 92, and I played in the Super Bowl the same year. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's wild. That's how fast life can happen, right? Out of that um, transition, what would you say overall that experience was like transitioning from the, the Air Force straight into NFL? It was probably one of the most challenging things um, I had to do both physically and, and I think even more so mentally. Um, for one, I, you know, I left a level of competition at the collegiate level, not played the game for four years. I, you know, I stayed in shape. I lifted weights. You know, I, I was in great cardiovascular shape, but it's it's kind of like riding a bike. You've, it takes a while to kind of get the, the rust off the chain and kind of get things going. And that physical transition was, was a challenge. Um, and then particularly, I was based in England, in Western Europe. I'd fly missions all over Western Europe. And um, where the mean summer temperature there would have been 72 degrees. And then I go to Austin, Texas for my first training camp where it's 98 degrees and 60 plus percent humidity. I thought I was going to die. So from, I would, it wouldn't be unusual for me to lose in a two hour practice up to 14 pounds of water weight. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) And I would, you know, fighting the cramps and 
So physically it was tough. And then mentally on top of that, transitioning from a career path in the Air Force where I'm a fighter pilot flying missions to now I'm a professional athlete trying to make the team. And then many times I was sitting in my, my dorm room between practices, just questioning myself, what the heck did I just do? Because <laughs> I was married at the time, no kids, thankfully, but man, it was, it was taking a big risk. Uh, you had a really successful NFL career and not just the one Super Bowl championship, you had three Super Bowl championships, I believe. Um, what was that time like for you and your faith? You have all this success. Was faith front and center for you or was that something not uh, that important to you during your career? You know, my faith was it. I'll put it this way. I, I talk about I did own my faith. I, I, I used it. Um, I, I believed in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, you know, I, I was probably classified as a performance based Christian. I would I'd go through the motions. Um, very successful three of my first four years in the NFL, we won Super Bowl championships. I thought, man, this is how it's supposed to be. You know, every year you're supposed to have this tremendous amount of success. Um, I was grounded, um, you know, happily married. But for me, the, the trigger point was after the, we won our first fourth Super Bowl, third Super Bowl in four years, after we won that third one, my son, who was two and a half years old at the time, got really, really sick. And this was the first time in my life that I couldn't control an outcome based on performance. And that's where I really, quote unquote, own my faith. I realized who God was, who his character, his nature. I knew, I began to realize where my true identity lied. And that for me was a pivotal point in my faith walk. That's really interesting because yeah, whether in the Air Force or football player, like you were in control of everything, right? You're flying the jet, you're tackling that opponent but all of a sudden things are taken out of your control what was that like for you to be in that spot you know it, it again I thought it was challenging going through my first training camp and making the transition but that was probably the most difficult thing in my life that I've ever had to accomplish and the fact that by my own efforts and performance yeah I've I've made mistakes I've stumbled you know I've through defeat or through um, loss of money financially, whatever, I was always able to work harder, perform and, and get it back and get back to that standard that I held myself. But this was the first time in my life where I couldn't control anything. And that's where, particularly for us as men, we, we like to, we like, we're Mr. Fix it. We want to, you know, by our own actions, efforts, words, whatever, make things better. And, and I couldn't. And that's where I realized my true vulnerability as a man and, you know, at that time too, which made it even more of a painful journey is I didn't have any other guys that I could really share that with guys that I'll call wingmen. And the fact that I couldn't admit that I was struggling. I couldn't admit, you know, by my own pride or whatnot, whatever the, uh, the reason was, I, I just couldn't admit that I, I, I didn't have it together, that I was in a very painful period of my time. Cause, cause how do you verbalize that, you know, to other guys? You know, yeah. we're always taught as men, you know, to be strong, suck it up, you know, cowboy up that, um, uh, you know, if you cry, fall down, you know, get up, don't cry, you know, big boys don't cry, wipe yourself off and just keep on pressing on and don't admit weakness. We're like John Wayne or Gary Cooper at high noon or, or Rambo. But I soon realized that, you know, lone wolves don't survive very long in the woods. 
and we we need others around us. And that was a pivotal point for me too in my life to surround myself with men that would accept, affirm, and hold me accountable. And that's why you created Wingmen Ministries. Amen to that. Yes. And that's our whole thing is we're, we're ministry based on discipleship and it's encouraging men to get into small groups where, you know, they can, again, they can form those transparent Christ-centered masculine relationships where we can accept, affirm and, and hold one another accountable. That's, you know, that's all, we're not a church, but it's, it's where we partner with churches because unfortunately a lot of churches don't have budgets for, for men's groups. And it's something that to walk through life, you need those relationships where you can, consistently get together and consistently share and consistently just share life. It's kind of interesting. Like if you're a man and into sports or even like into video games, let's say you've got no problem playing on a team and competing with one another and, and uh, yeah, relying on one another in those situations. Right. But then when it comes to actual real life situations, a lot of us, we don't like to accept help, do we? (laughs) No, because it's, you know, I can do it on my own. I'm perfectly content. And when you come to that pivotal crossroads in life where you reach an obstacle that you can't overcome, you've got one or two ways to go. You either retract and recede and you become bitter and and at times exemplify shame because you can't, you know, whether it's a past sin that you can't overcome. But if you can expose things to the light, you know, admit it to another brother, you know, confess your sins and then walk through, man, it just, it's like a burden being lifted off your shoulders. And, and for men, once they get a taste of that, there's no going back. Their lives are totally changed. I see this in my own house with my husband. Obviously I'm not a male, but um, you don't show emotions. You don't react. You just move on. Like you had said Um, in situations like this though, they won't even begin to look, they won't even begin to even want to accept except something like uh, Wingman Ministries, how do we get someone like my husband um, interested in even getting to this point where they're, they're willing to be vulnerable and willing to open up? You know, that's one of the reasons why I said that we formed transparent Christ-centered masculine relationships. You know, unfortunately, there's such a push to effeminize, you know, with toxic masculinity or, or effeminize men today that... It, you know, we are very forthright. Hey, we're men, you know, a lot of you know, guys, alpha males, whatever you want to call them. These are guys that are former professional athletes, special operations guys, you know, green beret, Delta force, Navy seals, former fighter pilots. These are men, you know, being a man's man. And the thing about it is here, I'll make an analogy that when I was on the athletic field, when I was playing football, if I would sprain an ankle on the field, have an injury, man, I would want to be back out there with my teammates and support my team. I'd go to the athletic trainer to get, get treatment, to get, uh, to get treatment, to get uh, ice packs, whatever, to get my ankle taped so that I could get back out on the field. That same analogy can be utilized when men go through a painful period of life. You get injured, whether it's spiritually, whether that's mentally, emotionally, to get back out on the field and to be productive for your, for your families or for your, for your friends, you got to go through this aspect of sharing your burdens with one another, getting that quote unquote treatment. And that's the whole thing that a lot of our military forces here. And I'm sure they're probably in Canada too, particularly in the United States, guys that are coming back from 
downrange being in Iraq and Afghanistan and are experiencing post-traumatic stress, you know, the number one treatment for that is for guys to talk, to share, hmm. to, to just process, help talk to somebody to help process through their feelings, their emotions, and their experiences. And unfortunately, we have a lot of, uh, call it walking spiritually or spiritually wounded individuals that have spiritual PTSD because they haven't dealt with past hurts and past emotions. They got to get that out. And how you do that? With trusted confidence. You don't go blurt it out to the whole world, but you have a few close friends that you can share these with. That's the concept that I'm talking about. It's not anything to do with just totally sharing your feelings uh, with anybody and everybody. It's just with a few confidants. So uh, over your course of the, the ministry and ministering to men like this, what's been some of like the, I don't know, most uh, fulfilling moments for you, I guess. And what keeps you going in this? What keeps me going is we have had guys that have come to some of our functions events. And because of a word that either a speaker or myself had said, a guy came up to me afterwards and said, I, I had the note written after this meeting, a friend of mine had invited me. I didn't want to come, but I came anyway. I had the note written. I was going to go home and commit suicide wow. after this funk meeting. But now I realize that, you know, my life does have value and that I do have men around me that do care for me and for my well-being. And I'm going to keep fighting the good fight. You know, that's to the extreme, a case of, you know, spiritual victories, but we've had so many things that keep me going. It's just hearing guys will send me a quick note that says, Hey man, I so appreciate what you're doing. This our wingman group that I'm involved with has changed my life. And it's my wife has said, it's uh, she's noticed a big change in me. You know, my kids, I'm there for them now emotionally, you know, as well as physically. Thank you. And for me, that's what it's all about. Uh, for people here in Canada, they're like, hey, this is a great idea. What would you say to them? Um, and how can they start something like that here? You know, you can go to our, our website, wingman.org. And what we have done is, is this, through this pandemic, it has showed us several things, how certain things have accelerated and exposed sometimes inadequacies in ministry and, and with the church today. I know probably a lot of your churches have gone virtual <clears throat> but what it has showed for us is that men truly want those personal connections. They want that transparency. You know, they may not be able to verbalize it or think through it, but they want that. So what we have done is on our website, we walk guys through a, a series of kind of who Wingman is and what we, what we do and how you can get involved and how you can be a part through a virtual community of guys where we have groups all over the country, you know, it can be technically all over the world, but we have them all over the country, the U S and for guys in Canada, you can be a part of that. And it's just a matter of grab one buddy, grab one friend. And we walk you through the how to's as to how to go about, you know, being a wingman and, and ministering to one another. So we do all the heavy lifting. They just got to kind of follow through. I love it. I've been checking it out as we're speaking, wingmen.org. Yeah, it looks just absolutely great. Lots of great info there and lots of different events that you have all the time too in your Facebook group and things like that. Um, very important question though. Is Jesus a football fan or a hockey fan? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll put it this way. Jesus loves physical sports, whether that's hockey, <laughs> there we go. Whether that's football, <laughs> lacrosse, you know, he's not so much a track fan. Sorry. 
Well, he was a very team-oriented guy, actually, right? That's right. You need a team. That is totally <laughs> true. Chad, thanks so much. Was there anything else you want people to know about how they can get a hold of you or reach out to the ministry or uh, other things that you have coming yeah, up? Yeah, they can reach out to me um, through my website, chadhennings.com, or they can reach out to me also through the Wingman website, wingmen.org. And guys, I'm just going to tell you, there's, there's no time for apathy, particularly in the West, that it's time for us to get off the bench and get into the game. That if you don't like the way that culture is going for you and your community don't be a spectator you know if not you then who and that's what i just encourage men to take that step forward plant that flag in the ground and said you know god i'm going to do whatever i can to impact my family and those around me for your greater glory thank you so much for joining us today my pleasure thank you guys thanks again for joining us don't forget to subscribe we'll talk to you again on connections